All right, so shall we uh, we start her up? Yes. yes. Certainly, welcome to Beast Wars, the Jurassic World podcast. Yes. <laughs> uh, we do get a bunch of dinosaur action in these episodes. Check yes. for the mark of Jurassic Park on Dinobot. So. <laughs> Something has survived. Will you? We get some raptors and some little T-Rex hands. <laughs> a little bit of pterodactyl. Yeah, some pterodactyl. Very true. All right. Delightfully little pterodactyl. Yes. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Beast Wars podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. <laughs> and I'm getting over a cold. Ooh. Yeah, so, uh, you have fun talking to each other. I'll, I'll be quiet in the corner. With an occasional you totally talk. just said that so that you don't have to edit out the sniffle, didn't you? For that one, yeah. <laughs> I did that one intentionally. Okay. Okay, today we're looking at a better mousetrap, the... Ninth episode of Beast Wars, uh, written by Chris Weber and Karen Wilson, directed by Jay Falconer. Yeah, uh, it's the ninth supposed episode. The- it, was, it was definitely the ninth broadcast, and I think there's some sort of weirdness with it being in a different order on some of the earlier DVD releases. Oh, so it actually was the ninth broadcast. I thought. Yes. We're starting to get to an area where things are fuzzier. Yeah, where the, uh, the Shout Factory, the current currently in print, I believe. Yes. Assuming it's still the most print. recent printed version. Yes. Yes. The yes. most recent DVD set uh, contradicts the order of the previous Rhino DVD set. However, it does seem to be correct based on information that we have about the original airing order. Yeah, and, yes. and the, the wiki so far has concurred with our order. Yes. yes. So we are going by the Shout Factory order, as that seems to be corroborated by at least one other source. Mm -hmm. And that means we are on a better mousetrap. That's right. And it is a better episode than the last episode. It is. Uh, Yeah, overall. And much like the last episode, it's a very this is another rat-trap episode. Yay. But we open in the caverns below the Axelon. There's science going on. Specifically, it's, it's... Black Arachnia, who is back from her mysterious disappearance at the end of the last episode. I kind of feel like... I almost feel like her part in this this episode was originally written for Tarantulas. Yeah. Tarantulas or even Scorponok. No, I think we're... Well, one of them, because she later said... Being a Scorponok would help to set up the next episode a little better. Yeah, but... But But having her... I mean, she ends up, you know, pulling a gun for the sake of cementing her dominance in the situation, and that feels like much more of a tarantulous thing than a Scorponok thing. This is true. It, on the one hand, it does. On the other hand, I liked that she did it. Yeah. yeah. It it may even say something about how her character continued to develop from there, that, you know, this this episode may have... Her role in this episode may have been written by... Or written for tarantulas, and then those traits of being... Uh, 
you know, that kind of rebelliously domineering and having spider flashlights, well, bug <laughs> flashlights, because they've only got six legs, and that yes, sort of stuff. the first time that we, we see those, and they continue to pop up every now and then, and we never really get an explanation of what they are. I love them, though. They're, I mean, it's obvious what they are. They're autonomous flashlights. Yes. With little bug legs. They're mini-time flashlights. They're and delightful, like, and at first I thought, oh, tarantulas must have invented those. Tarantulas is around here somewhere, until I saw the one that had the black arachnia, black widow symbol on it. Yes. So again, it sort of feels like, you know, it was written for tarantulas, and then someone said, hey, we've got this other character who we should really put in something. Yes. Yeah. So she, and it turns out that without uh, Alec Willows's tarantulas mannerisms, tarantulas is kind of just a mad scientist at this point. Yeah. 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 And so Black Arachne is kind of, and again, Venus Terzo, I don't think has quite nailed the character yet. She will eventually, but now she's just kind of generic. She's a little hammier in this episode than she would be later. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's not a bad foundation for her to start on. And she apparently invented a thing that if this was a live-action series would have been a repainted Y-Wing <laughs> from Star Wars. <laughs> it's either that or just a big tuning fork. Yeah. I will say that that's another reason that I feel like this was a part that was written for Tarantulas is that she sure is pulling rank here. She has oh, yeah. made this invention. She gets to order everyone else to, well, at least Pterosaur and Waspinator to help her with it. <laughs> Yeah. And that just seems like she's awful young to have that kind of pull in the Predacon ranks yet. Yeah, she's she's online for a week, and she's already in charge of the two idiot flyers. Yeah. Which, well, admittedly, yeah. If I was Megatron, yeah. I'd probably make the command decision, too. Yeah. I mean, she deserves it, but it still sort of felt a little odd. Yeah. So, anyway. Mm-hmm. So, she's ordering them to dig a hole for this uh, big tuning fork. That's going to blow a hole in the maximal base. Uh, Waspmater has, is sick of this. He leaves, or uh, if you prefer, bugs out. He does. Uh, Pterosaur tries to intimidate uh, Black Arachne into doing the work for uh, herself, and then she pulls a gun on him, and he does it himself. Yeah. With his eye beams. Yes. You know, like you do. We cut to a holographic Megatron, and he's having a bunch of weapons fire at him. And it's a he's, demonstration of Rhinox's new Sentinel system. He's having is, naughty tentacles shot at him. Yeah. Not naughty tentacles. They're uh, Wonder Woman's golden lasso, as we'll see later. Yes. Also, so he, how did we go from the one episode where it took Rhinox a month to, to put together a communicator to him managing to build this? That needed a lot more sensitive parts? Eh, maybe. It's we'll like see, building a that. fence versus building an iPhone. Yeah, well... Yeah, but I mean, the uh, security system is sort of built into the ship. He's just upgrading it. I mean, it, okay. we, yeah, I guess it, it, well, it already had the shield, and it had the, the auto guns that we saw in uh, Fallen Comrades. Mm-hmm. It's just probably just a matter of plugging them all into the AI. Huh. There are many interesting philosophical thoughts and conversations one could have regarding Transformers having AI, but I think that's beyond the scope of this particular podcast. I, I assume it's yeah. on the level of people having dogs. I suppose. Well, it's... So, yeah. Hmm. Sentinel is another thing that we're going to see from now on in the series. Yes. Yeah. Although it'll never be as insanely powerful as it seems to be in this episode. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy in this episode. I mean, seriously, I think they should have just let uh, Black Rackney, Waspman, and Terrasaur break into the base because they'd all be immediately murdered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of things that will be seen throughout the rest of the series, not the giant system of caves underneath the maximal base. <laughs> well, well, that kind of gets dealt with. Yeah, maybe maybe that does get dealt with at the end of the episode, but maybe they should have checked those out. Yeah. They might have wanted to do something about that. Anyway, the demonstration's interrupted by uh, Tigatron calling in, uh, because apparently Waspinator has just been hanging around. <laughs> He's just flying around in circles, muttering to himself oh, about how mutter- he is the greatest of Predacons. Waspinator's yes. greatest of Predacons. Waspinator rules. He's so great. Wonderful. Uh, it was nice seeing the procedurally generated cloud background he was flying against, too. <laughs> yes. And so, Tigatron's uh, hanging out in the jungle. Okay, I guess he gets around. I guess that's a few clicks from the Antarctic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's a little more appropriate for a white tiger. Yeah. I yeah. complain, but it's nice to see Tigatron again. I like Tigatron. Yeah, it is. It's good yeah. to hear Blue Mankuma. Yes. Yes. And uh, Primal goes to see what's up, and uh, while the Primal's away, everybody will just act like a bunch of dicks, I guess. Because yeah. Dinobot is complaining at how non-lethal the, uh, the Sentinel system is. Dinobot and... just wants to murder everybody all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so Rattrap turns it on, and uh, yeah, he gets the, the golden lasso treatment. Yes. <laughs> And, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, he doesn't like it, and he goes after Rattrap with a sword, which is a bit of disproportionate retribution, but you probably should have seen that coming, Rattrap. Yeah. And he shoves his sword into the command console before Rhinox could finish, you know, dotting all the I's and crossing the T's. So Sentinel now sees the Maximals as the enemy. I, I will say that I like that in this case, destroying the controls doesn't, like, make everything shut down or explode. They're at least showing a basic knowledge of computers yes. that if you break somebody's keyboard, it doesn't make their entire computer explode. No, it just makes no, one of the subsystems want to kill you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's, it just makes it where he can't turn off that it wants to kill you. Yeah. Because it already wanted to kill them because Rhinox hadn't quite finished with the part that tells it not to kill them. Maybe you yep. should have done that part first, Rhinox. This yeah. is kind of on you. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so many. Everybody's responsible. Rat Trap initiated it. Rhinox didn't finish it. Dinobot just stabs things. Amazingly, Cheetor is the one who's blameless here. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh my god, yeah. For, for the first time in the entire series, episode 9, Cheetor is blameless. Yeah, I, well, he Cheetor hasn't done off taking a nap. Yeah, he <laughs> yes. runs in and is like, what the hell is going on here, guys? <laughs> yeah, he hasn't done anything really bad in a while, but he's still Cheetor. But yeah, this might be the first episode where nothing at all is Cheetor's fault. And I'm pretty yeah, sure he doesn't, a... he doesn't say anything. Anything unforgivably stupid the entire episode. No. Yeah. Well, no, because later on he does use the phrase giga bummer. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> for Cheetor speak, that's not that bad. <laughs> anyway, Rat Trap takes responsibility and dives into the computer. Yes. Well, 
the console under like, the like the ventilation shaft. He's he's John McClaning it. Yeah. 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 Oh, he, he basically says, "You guys get out. I'll take care of this." Yep. I did love when uh, Sentinel fully activated and was just firing willy nilly at everyone. Dinobot's head turning 360 degrees several times and having the ratcheting sound effect to it. <laughs> they love doing that. That was pretty great. Yep. And I also like the transition between Rattrap going through a tight ventilation shaft and Rhinox's open mouth yelling. <laughs> uh, so Rattrap takes responsibility. Everybody else runs outside. Dinobot drops the title of the episode, and then Rhinox just shakes his head at him. Yep. Oh, you have to Yay, we got a title drop. Yes. Also, I love how even Rat Trap was surprised he was being so noble. Yes. <laughs> Come on, we're only nine episodes in. Why am I getting so much character development? Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Tigatron... Have... Oh, yeah, I was going to say, we had uh, Optimus and Tigatron outside tracking Waspinator. and. Yeah, we, we get an amusing scene where uh, Waspinator leads Primal on a bit of a chase after Primal messes with him. <laughs> yeah, how did he sneak up on Waspinator while using a jetpack? Well, because uh, Waspinator was just bad mouthing everyone else and kind of off in his own little Waspinator world. <laughs> so great! I've come to the conclusion that his prime jets, although being shown to look like jets, he can just fly like Superman because of them. Well, that'll become very relevant in a couple of episodes. True. That's true. Was it just me, or did the facial expressions on Optimus when he changed to robot mode, like, when he was saying his activation code to change to robot mode, look kind of weird? Mm. Mm. I don't know. It's a scene where they had demoed doing facial capture stuff, but didn't animate the rest of his body. Oh. Mm-hmm. Maybe. The, this episode and the next one, there are some oddities in animation. Although, maybe it's just because I'm noticing, because I'm on a big HD screen, and it's like, oh, yeah. that looked weird. TVs just weren't this big in 1996. Yeah. Yeah. And they were that little bit blurrier from the the CRT effect. Yeah. 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 So Primal is, uh, he finds out there's a problem back at base after, you know, smacking pretty hard into a cliff. <laughs> yep. Gets a good uh, Gary Chuck, ah, voice acting. <laughs> yep. I loved that he turned back into gorilla mode to talk to Tigatron because he had, like, the uh, Energon overload thing going on and then immediately turned back into a robot to fly away. And yes. they called attention to it, and it's like, well, it's silly, but we still got to do it, so. Yep. So Tigatron's on the case of this secondary plot. <laughs> and he finds that the there's a, there's a cave entrance that is hidden by a holographic projector. She notes, is clever. Yes. <laughs> And one might say that one might say that Black Arachnia is a clever girl. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, Tigatron's ultimate solution is, well, you know, to shoot her, <laughs> shoot her. <laughs> yeah, but he, he he stealthily sneaks up, which is kind of cute since he's a big robot and his feet make little clinking noises. Yes. But quiet clinking noises compared to everybody else's feet. Yes. So, back at the Axelon, uh, Rat Trap is uh, fighting a bunch of defenses, and it's pretty goofy. It's fantastic. It's, he, I like the surf rock. He surfs in there. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's the best part. And then after that, he, he's a dancing aerobics rat. 
Yes. And he, he yeah, runs he's... away from the security camera, and then he leans back around the corner to wave at the security camera. Oh, it's delightful. I, Him I really really helps helps of all the cast members, his beast mode is by far the most adorable. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I also like him criticizing Rhinox's design for the whole thing throughout the entire process. Yes. However, I I would like to note that once he gets in there, Sentinel's defenses do not seem that non-lethal. No. Yeah. I I think uh, Rhinox may have been underselling their their, uh, destructive capabilities. Yeah. Because Rat Trap is in some very serious danger here. Yeah. Yeah, it has become diehard with a rodent. Yes. Yeah. In fact, in a in what I assume is a direct reference to diehard, he's in kind of an elevator shaft which appears bottomless. How tall is the axolot? <laughs> you know. Yeah, that well, um, yay tall. Maybe it goes down into those caves. Maybe. And the, uh, and the Predacons are actually in like the Maxwell's parking garage. <laughs> or wait, is is the back end of the ship at an angle? It is. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe he's crawling up to the back end, and it was a straight corridor, but now it's vertical. Yeah, maybe. Know. Who knows? It's still weird. It's it's a lot bigger than it seemed previously. Yeah, so he's got a bunch of mecha crossbows at the top and a cryo field below. I'm glad the cryo field wasn't water, even if the zero friction stuff that he surfed on looked terrible compared to the water at the beginning of the episode. Yes. Yeah. The water at the beginning of the episode is actually surprisingly nice. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're getting there. Yeah, I, I think when I was a kid, I thought that the cryo field was water, but I when it goes up, he clearly makes like freezing noises. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then it stays to the confines of the shaft when it comes up past him when he pulls his way out of the way. Yeah, which makes sense. It's a cryo field. That's a sci-fi thing. We can believe that it's confined to one corridor. Yep. Also, when he blows up the crossbow. The bomb is past the crossbow, but the explosion it comes from the center of the crossbow. It, it's a special bomb, question mark? <laughs> yeah. Explosions are difficult. This is true. Effect. He's pulling surprisingly... I think that's the only time he pulls anything out of his bottomless forearms this episode, though, so that's a bit of a surprise. Oh, yep. yeah. I love that he pulls it out doing a monologue of all the skills that he has. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, got a remarkable timing. set of skills. I, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want, but I will find you and I will kill you. <laughs> uh, the Axelon has been taken. <laughs> anyway, back under the base, Tigatron uh, finds out what is going on below. It's, you know, giant tuning fork. There's yep. a fight. Black Rackney is screaming about her invention, which is hilarious. Yeah. That is probably the line that marks it most as being this used to be Tarantulas' part. Yeah, yes. I I didn't, in, in my notes for the episode, I didn't really mark that down until about this point where yeah. I looked back on the earlier stuff and was like, yeah, I think someone told them, you know, after the first draft that they needed to put Black Arachnia in some more episodes. And like, We've already know. sold his toy, guys. we got to yeah. sell this toy. This is our repaint. We gotta sell this repaint. And it's a girl, so we gotta sell it super hard. Yeah. yeah. I, I think they did, but I'm biased. So he, he gets out, the tuning fork explodes. Uh, Tigatron meets up with the rest of the Maximals and tells them that it was a long and very ugly story, which 
Tigatron, it took like three minutes. <laughs> yeah. And the only people it was ugly for were the Predacons who got taken down three on one. <laughs> yeah. Well, t- Tigatron doesn't like to talk or share much. I mean, I, I remembered not liking that, the secondary plot a lot, a lot more than I actually, I mean, I thought it was actually, I was entertained by it. Yeah. And probably possibly because we haven't seen that much Tigatron and he's an appealing protagonist. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was nice seeing Tigatron, but it would have been nice for it to be less of a throwaway. Yes. Hmm. But uh, I mean, the A plot's still going on. So. The A yeah. plot is still going on. Ratriff yes. has reached the computer court, which is really cool looking. Yeah, it's kind of it's a like, Death Star core thing. It's like a Nintendo boss room. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it really is. And, and so again, so this laser, this like little laser fan satellite dish looking. This, this one thing. is a Shatterfield. Yeah, the Shatterfield comes and in, in that deep sentinel Ian Corlett voice. It says it's preparing to terminate. That's not very non-lethal. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, when you, if you're, if you get from the outside of the ship all the way to the inside, they better kill you at that point. Plus, yeah. well, if you're named something Sentinel in Transformers, you're kind of evil. Well, that's true. Or at least that's, that's true. That's true, but, but wasn't that established after this? Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's more like okay. you're lawful evil. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's not like you're chaotic yeah. evil. No. Yeah, it's, it's a dark paladin. Yeah. Yeah. In addition to the the shatter field, there's also like some sort of disintegrating energy surrounding the. Uh, Surrounding the computer core. Yep. Which, of course, can be handily deactivated by a gigantic red button. <laughs> of course. After punching in the codes, which is hitting the cover for the red button. <laughs> yes. Also, I love that while they were waiting, the Maximals were just taking pot shots at the shield. Yes. Yeah, they're just wasting... You guys have mentioned how useless it is to attack the field before. Why are you wasting your time? I didn't bring anything to read. Doing it you got to do something out here. Yeah. I guess. Try and keep distracted, maybe. But yeah. Got to clear out the intestines of the gut gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we see in the next episode, he's got a bunch of those. So yeah, that was weird. I guess. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> next time. Right, so, Raptor's about to be shattered by the Shatterfield. He's reaching out for this uh, big red button. And then everything shuts down, which Rhinox surmises must be because... Uh, the intruder has been terminated. Which is not very... I mean, doesn't he realize that when, when Rat Trap disables the thing that will also cause the shield to go down, does he just or, have that little faith in, in Rat Trap? Well, or he has that much faith in his own creation. I yeah. guess that's... You know, Rat Trap could possibly true. ruin this thing. I, I I built all these lethal defenses into it. Yeah. And the episode does try to build up a cliffhanger that matches Rhinox's assumption. Yes. yes. Although you also has... know the answer because it doesn't show him getting blasted. Yes. It's already sad. Primal is more respectful than uh, sad. On the other hand, it's a kid's show, so it's not like they could really show him getting murdered. Well, we'll see uh, well, we'll in some later episodes that they kind of can. Well, okay. They're robots, therefore they can do horrible things to them is a trademark of this franchise. That's yes. true. And, and then everybody starts eulogizing Rat Trap, which starts out nice and quickly devolves into insulting him after Dinobot has his say, because even oh, Rhinox is like, sure, he smelled bad. He was a rat, but he was my best friend. And then we actually start to iris, uh, start to iris in, 
And oh, uh, surprise, he's alive. <laughs> yeah, Rat Trap just comes down on the, the little lander pad. What do you call The elevator. The elevator. In and out. Rhinox yep. calls him his best friend. Yeah. And, and Rat Trap's all, oh, boo-hoo! <laughs> so I guess the question is, in, uh, I guess that's just best friend. They're not conjuncts in Dure. Uh, yes. no, uh, Conjunct's Amica. Yeah. Amica. Uh, yes. yeah. No, Amica and Dere. Yeah. Amica and Dere. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, that makes me feel kind of sad for Rhinox, because it's pretty clear from the rest of the show that Optimus and Rat Trap are besties. <laughs> Maybe they're all besties. You can have more than one. True. I know, there are only four people on that ship, plus a bunch of guys in stasis pods. You better get along. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, Rat Trap's alive. Everybody has a big laugh, like it's the end of a Super Friends episode. Yes. And and that's it. The end. Rat Trap being yeah. awesome was fun. Yes, uh, Tigatron I... being awesome was also fun. This was a really a really good episode for Rat Trap slowly evolving likability. He's he's definitely very likable at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, Waspinator. Yes. Sort of uh, Waspinator's delightful. The continued evolution of Waspinator from vaguely competent threat to hilarious comedy punching bag. Is, is this yes. the most Waspinator's had to say, I think? Uh, he got a little bit in um, Equal Measures, where he's uh, having that banter with uh, Scorponok. Oh, yeah. I think this is the most that Waspinator has had to say about Waspinator. Yeah, this, this is yes. Waspinator talking to himself about himself. For like about how great he is, because other he's like building himself up because he's feeling so bad because the others are being mean to him and he's angry. <laughs> Waspinator seeing psychiatrist recommend cognitive behavioral therapy. <laughs> yeah. Aw, so sad. Yeah. So sad. So basically what we're saying is Scott McNeil got a lot of character development in this episode. Yes. yes. Well, Scott McNeil gets a lot of character development in most episodes. He's a third of the cast. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah, and, and again, I, I appreciate the Tigatron B-plot more than I remember doing so because, uh, I mean, Tigatron's sort of very much the opposite of Rat Trap. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not, you know, he's carrying out this mission, but he's not... There's no running commentary from him while he's doing so. Yeah. He's a, he's very action movie protagonist. He's yeah. not talking to himself the whole time. You know, you can just see him like uh, Schwarzenegger at the beginning of Commando, just chopping wood out in the woods. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the problem with this episode when you get down to it is there's an A plot and a B plot, but they're both kind of halfway between being an A plot and a B plot, and they're also both the same plot. Yeah, well... Lone guy going in against a situation wins. Yeah, Tigatron's B-plot is, is just a shortened version of uh, Rat Trap's Die Hard. Yeah. His or Die I, Hard, uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. I, I, I guess uh, Tigatron ends up being the helpful uh, limo driver? Uh, not really. I mean, it's he's just in his own movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... It's like if Al Powell had had to, uh, you know, foil a bank robbery on his way to Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that just makes me want more die-hard spinoffs without John McClane. <laughs> that would probably be the better choice at this point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 
I I will kind of defend that fourth movie, but that fifth one is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I'd take a diehard movie that was just Samuel L. Jackson's character from the third one having a diehard movie. Ooh, maybe, yeah. if, maybe he teams up with Al Powell. I would be all over that. <laughs> and they get ferried around by the limo driver from Die Hard 1. Yes. Oh, that'd be nice. So, yeah, that is a better master. There's not a whole lot to say about this episode. It's, you know, it's entertaining, but there's it's not there's not a whole lot to it. It did feel I don't know, somehow it just felt like a little bit of an upturn for the series as a whole. It felt like it was really it's really getting its feet at this point. Yes. It's found its voice. At this point, Cheetor can probably pronounce his own name correctly. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, he didn't. He didn't have to, and that yes. makes it even better, because that means Cheetor at no point spoke of himself in the third person. <laughs> which is even better. Yes. And we'll be getting some more good Cheetor uh, in our next episode, Guerrilla Warfare. Mm-hmm. So be sure to tune in next time, and uh, until then... Uh, you can uh, find us on Twitter at at StasisPod. Uh, you can find us on Tumblr at stasispod.tumblr.com. And you can write into us in the, into the Maxim mailbag at stasispodcast at gmail.com. And you can find our RSS feed on iaconunderground.net. And you can also find us on iTunes. Please rate and review us there. We'd be super grateful. Yes, so, our voodoo helps to get us shown up on iTunes. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're, they're computer magic. Ooh. The same magic by which you can listen to us on your phone or possibly your watch. Is that a thing now? You can just listen to our podcast like Dick Tracy? <laughs> well, I, I don't know if the watch has like a speaker, but... You can probably you... plug headphones into it, although then... That, actually, that sounds like a bad idea. Your, your wrist would be constrained like a marionette. Yeah, well, oh. I, that would be pretty pretty awkward, yeah. Listen, I just want to make Dick Tracy phone calls into my wristwatch. Well, they're they're working on it. They're working on it. All right. So, until next time when we engage in a little guerrilla warfare, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. I'm David. I'm Stuffy. All right. Good episode. Yeah. Oh, next episode we get a cyber bee. Oh shit! Oh, the cyber bees. Cyber bee. Oh god! Not the cyber bees! Not the cyber bees! <laughs> I mean, Primal does kind of engage in some Nicolas Cage-esque uh, 